Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here's your host, editor Christian Berg. All right, welcome back to the Bow Hunting Podcast, presented by Lancaster Archery Supply. They've got the gear, they've got the knowledge, they've got the passion. For all your bow hunting needs, visit Lancaster Archery Supply. Dot com. Speaking of passion, as I always like to say, because we only have passionate guests on the show, I've got my Ohio posse, Mr. <laughs> Clint Casper and Mr. Ryan Birch. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh this is Ryan's first time on the big Peterson's Bow Hunting Radio show. This is this is the the first one for him. Well, you're this is, showing. This is a, this is a big deal. Guys. So I even dressed up a little bit and brought some a turkey church shirt today. That yeah. is an. I love your turkey church shirt. <laughs> and I tell you I what, man, I, dress. dude, that is a nice like. I think I've been in some hunting camps up in like the big woods in Pennsylvania here. Some old hunting camps that had curtains with that same fabric. I know it's a winner right here. I mean, the medium redhead shirt. Go get it at Cabela's. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what do you and what do you drink in there, Ryan? You got a bush light or or you know, well, are you doing <laughs> I'm still on the job site, so this is just a little C4 energy right here. A little C4. And you're oh, yeah, yeah, you're beta up, power. You were uh you're taking a break from hooking up vent fans and bathroom installs, right? Yeah, I mean I'm still I'm still at the job site right now. I'm, on my days off, I do electric for uh Jared Lover construction, and uh we we're just finishing this place up, so I took a break to come and talk to these guys right here. Well, well, I appreciate it. Those of you who are, you know, uh, listening, you sort Mr. Casper is no stranger uh, to, to the Peterson's bow hunting crowd. Although you did show your your age and your length of association with our brand using the old bow hunting radio. We haven't been that for a while now, Casper. We're the bow hunting podcast. <laughs> come on. <laughs> The bow hunting radio, though, that's where it all started. And Ryan never got to be on that. So this is like he's diving into both worlds, the old world and the new world. I still, hey, the bow hunting radio, I, I still at times forget we've changed names for the better. Yeah. But I still, oh, you know, I mean, you, come on, look at my sweatshirt, baby. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. Hey, but I will say this. It was pretty typical because Ryan and I were on the call for about 10 minutes waiting for you. And I told Ryan, I said, this is pretty much a microcosm of our whole relationship. Is Clint supposed to be the ringleader? And we're somewhere doing something because of Clint, but it's really just me and you getting everything done. And Clint's like off doing whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm coming straight from the fields. Uh, we had a flat tire this morning, so that was great. My dad was in a great humor, so we got that taken care of. We're back up and running. Corn's being planted. I got fertilizer and lime spread. Everything's ready to go. Here I am for the podcast. I'm dusty, dirty. We're ready to rock. Well, God bless the American farmer. <laughs> Poor Wild Bill. Yeah. You said I was Wild about Bill. a seven. About a seven hundred and eighty dollar flat tractor tire this morning. Yeah, that was a bad one. That wasn't uh, that wasn't a fun um, that wasn't a fun one. But you know what? We got off the highway. We got it fixed. Uh, it, everyone's fine. Didn't cause any crashes. Luckily, it was on a straightaway, so that was great. So 
we're hey, you know what? We're here and happy. We're here and happy, and we're getting it done. And we speaking are. of get speaking of getting it done, I mean that's really why you guys are here because Lord knows, uh, I haven't gotten Jack, you know what done this spring. Not out in the field. I got the big Toby wedding coming up on yeah. Sunday. I've used that as I'm I'm a wedding planner. I mean, my kids get married. I had no time to turkey hunt, but thankfully Clint and Ryan have been doing more than their share of turkey hunting. And I thought it would be a good opportunity as we head towards the middle of May to kind of take a little wrap on turkey season 2023. You know, I mean, there's a couple weeks left here in Pennsylvania, probably Ohio as well. But I mean, gosh, it's been a long time since. Some of these seasons opened up way back in March down in Florida and April and a lot of the South and and uh, a lot of turkeys have hit the deck and you guys do uh, a turkey tour every year mm-hmm. heading out. You did what? Kansas and Nebraska this spring? Yeah. Yes, sir. And 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 it was just uh, not necessarily. I mean, you had some success, but it wasn't necessarily a banner year for you out there, was it, guys? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, it was a lot different this year, but I mean, that's the fun of turkey hunting. I mean, it's never, it's never the same and you just got to figure it out as you go. And, uh, travel hunting, I feel like that's probably one of the biggest keys is, uh, being mobile and, um, you know, figuring, figuring things out. So it's, it's not just walk into your favorite hunting spot, sit down at your favorite tree and they come walking by. So, I mean, it's, it's a challenge. Well, I mean, let's start with that, Ryan, because um, we ran an article this spring. Turkey numbers are down big time in a lot of areas around the country. And you and Clint went out there and you hunted. It was all public land, right? In both states. All public. Yeah. And, and, so. you, and you were hunting some new areas, right? So you had to get out there scout fine birds and and you know what's it like compared to the past because you guys have been doing this for how many years and what have you seen in terms of turkey numbers in those regions uh so clint's been going out there a little longer than i have but this was year number nine for me and it took me about four or five years to kind of figure the game out out west and um and I started getting into some pretty good little public spots and uh, figuring it out. And I, you know, took Clint out there and told him, hey, this is my honey hole. Like, this is going to be, <laughs> this is going to be, a, this is going to be a quick wham, bam, we're done. And we're going to be in Nebraska. We'll be hunting with a bow. This is going to yep. be great. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we walked <laughs> in there and you might as well have been walking into an empty room. And uh, <laughs> so we were kind of, you know kind of uh, dumbfounded with <laughs> with my honey hole you know that has been so successful the last couple of years um but i do a lot of pre-scouting and i usually have a list of about 20 places i sent to clint before we went out there of different places that i thought we should go check out uh we didn't only check out all 20 of them uh, we started adding them as we went and we put on about three thousand miles just driving around once we got out there trying to find birds and uh a lot of times, you, I mean, you're scouting from the truck. You're scouting by foot. You, I mean, you got to take everything in that you can, talking to the locals. Um, so, I mean, we have a really nice uh, scouting spot. It's called Spanky's Bar and Grill, right it's right over there. In, 
but you always run into the locals and they can kind of give you the you know the update they live out there they they farm it is that for real spankies yeah spankies where's that that is not centralia but uh seneca kansas seneca kansas so it's a shout out right now this is a shout out to everybody we toast we raise our glass to Spanky's Bar and Grill Spanky's. In, in Seneca, Kansas, because that is where the out-of-town turkey hunter can find some small-town USA hospitality and turkey intel. I'll tell you, if you want a burger and know what the birds are doing, you go to Spanky's. Uh, and a, a, a funny story, right beside it is a furniture store. And two years ago, we got a tip from a guy, hey, the old guy that owns the furniture store right next door has got a bunch of ground right outside of town. And Ryan and I are like, really? And this old guy's like, yeah, I'm good buddies with him. He's like, you tell him I sent you over there. I bought you guys a beer. He needs to let you hunt. Go over and tell him I said that. We're like, okay. So we finish our beers, have a burger. We go next door, you know, and then we walk into this furniture store and Guy comes up. We were probably in there 35, 40 minutes. He tried to sell us 15 couches. I don't know how many recliners. We never did get turkey permission, but he did give us a tip on a hot public spot that we almost killed a bird on. So not only could we have bought couches, chairs, recliners, we actually did get on some good public. We didn't actually get to hunt his spot, but... It was well worth it. And let me tell you, he's got really good deals on recliners. I can't think of the guy's name in the furniture store. Maybe Ryan will remember, but just say it. If you need a recliner and you're out there, that's the place right beside Spanky's. That's a nice road trip. That's sounding like one of those trips where you don't want to just drive the truck. You want to hook a trailer, maybe a big enclosed trailer. You want to tell your wife, your girlfriend, hey, honey, I'm going out and hopefully shoot some birds, but I might come up with like, a nice living room set, a nice dining room set. You don't know what I'm going to have. I mean, I'm going to have turkey cutlets and like a new sectional when I get back. Perfect. (laughs) That's right. You can't lose. No. You really can't. Nope. You might even, you might even get a coyote or two while you're out there. Oh yeah. 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 So so bottom line is it, it was a lot of work to find birds this year. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was it was a lot tougher than normal. I mean, when I first started going out there, you would drive past a you, every field you drove past had birds in it. Birds and uh they they're they're far and few between. I mean, there's a lot of uh, you know, I think turkey numbers are down and they, you know, they're doing a lot of research with, you know, how the ticks are affecting those birds and predation is up. I mean, we saw easily oh. 35 to 40 coyotes this year yeah. and we were in public spots where there were like, instead of deer trails, there's coyote trails. Coyote I've never trail. seen it. I have never. I mean, if you wanted a trap or coyote hunt, that's a place to go. I mean, they are just everywhere. They were crossing the road in front of us. And I mean, there's everywhere. So I don't know how any deer or Turkey are able to survive with those kind of numbers, you know, and then you throw in the other, the other factors like ticks and, you know, just weather in general, you know, if they had a hard winter, but uh, well, I was going to say hard to come by. I was going to say the weather. Cause I know I talked to, you know, both of you guys on and off by text and, and phone and stuff. And 
I mean, Clint was telling me some stories even just earlier today, like you guys had some wonderful, like <laughs> balmy temperatures and like, you know, oh, light Lord. winds, right? <laughs> so last year we complained that we were, I was complaining, I was killing turkeys in my puffy jacket that I would wear on the side of a mountain in Colorado, right? It, it was 38 degrees, 41 degrees. And I'm like, man, this sucks. This year, it's 78 degrees, but 55 mile an hour winds. I mean, it was like on the verge of a tornado half the day, every day. And seven out of our eight days on this trip, we, we were actually hunting eight days. Seven out of the eight days, it was at least gusts of 40 mile per hour plus. In the one day, it was all up to 55. Seven out of the With eight, tail. that's what we battled. <laughs> so how's the how's the, the the turkey calling in those conditions? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they super responsive. It's pretty oh, surprising. Crazy responsive. <laughs> yeah. You really miss out, Berg. <laughs> I mean, you basically just have to sneak up on them in, in yeah. conditions well, like that. And I mean, and that's where we kind of get into that, that whole Clint and I, we like to run and gun. We are, we are aggressive hunters and we like to to roll the dice sometimes. I mean, you gamble, sometimes you win big and sometimes you strike out. I mean, that's the name of the game. Uh, but more times than not, uh, we come out on the winning end of things and, uh, we kind of had our legs cut out from underneath of us on this last trip with all the wind and the hail and the rain and all just the inclement weather. So we kind of had to not only find spots where the turkeys were, we had to find a whole new way that we're not used to uh, hunting them. And uh, you really had to rely on the woodsmanship, you know, that my grandfather and my father and I'm sure Wild Bill taught Clint back in the day. I mean, it, it was a lot of. um it was not a lot of aggressive run and gun. You had no. to scout, do your yeah. homework, be patient, and and use the terrain to your advantage to really sneak around. Yeah, I mean, you basically had an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening where the wind was not so bad you could actually hear a little bit. So our whole philosophy was like, okay, we have to roost birds at night. And I'll be honest with you, here at home, we don't have wind like that. I mean, I hardly ever have to roost birds because I kill most of my birds between nine and noon. Like a lot of mornings, I take the kids to school, go do something for dad. Maybe I'm writing an article for you, Berg, or whatever. I got my own podcast. I don't even go hunt till nine o'clock. But out there, if you tried to play that game, it's so windy by nine o'clock. You're just blundering around the woods, hoping to stumble into a bird. So we had to spend a lot of times splitting up in the evenings, roost birds, and then hope in the morning we could get where they wanted to be on fly down. And if you didn't kill them in that first hour, to be honest, you were kind of in a way peeing up a rope the rest of the day. I mean, yeah, you could get lucky maybe and run into one, but like, it's pretty hard to turkey hunt when you can't hear them, they can't hear you. There could have been birds 40 yards away gobbling on some of those days. There was no way you were going to hear them. I mean, absolutely no chance you're going to hear that bird. No way. So mornings and evenings were like the only time frame you had. Middle of the day, when I loved to hunt turkeys, was basically a wash. I mean, we were out there trying, but 
You were just hoping one was going to walk by you, basically, if we're being honest. So, but you guys still ended up killing like what, two, three birds in Kansas before you yeah. went to Nebraska? Two in two. Kansas. Two in Kansas, one Nebraska. And but. and now, and and you know, this is the part of the show where we have to like make Ryan feel lesser because you did shoot <laughs> yours with a shotgun, right? Uh, I don't care what anybody says. I am just as happy and just as thrilled. Heck yeah. You know, smack him in the face with a, well, with a shell I'm, full I'm, of fives. I'm not saying I wouldn't be too, but this is a bow hunting podcast after all, Mr. Kaz. Well, I mean, you got boys and men, and I guess I'm just going to have to be put in the boy group right now. But I, <laughs> but I still got I still got hooks and, and fans drying in my yeah. garage. So, Well, I understand that, but Clint did score. Wait, no, or did you score? Who scored first? Ryan scored first. I scored, I scored first. Okay. But, so. but you still managed to get it done with the bow. Casper. Clinton. Yeah, but there, there was a lot of luck involved in that, in the essence of like, you know, it wasn't a true turkey hunt. Like it was, you know, the bird I killed in Kansas, Ryan and I found the night before, actually two nights before. He roosted in the same spot. We almost killed him the first morning going in there, and a coyote come in and blew the whole flock up. There was him. Two or three jakes and hens that flew down. They're at like 40 yards. So we were out of position a little bit too far, but they were working back to us. And I'm already in position. Ryan's behind me in case I need him to call. I'm going to give him the signal. But I mean, all is well. <laughs> in the world. They're coming right at us. I look at Ryan and kind of give him the head nod, like all is good. He gives me the nod back. Like we can both see what's going on. We're just going to wait for these birds to get in my lap and I'm going to freaking drill one right all of a sudden i hear a hen start to putt you know and i'm like uh-oh i start looking around i can't see anything i'm like there's nothing in the field and all of a sudden to my left flying up the fence row is this coyote charges out there lunges in the air dang near gets the one jake um luckily everybody gets away they all fly up in trees coyote leaves um so that was that pretty much blew that morning up. So we thought, okay, we're going to give them the afternoon. We'll come in here. Hopefully they're going to roost in here again, which they did. Same trees. We're like, all right, in the morning, we're going to get in super early and get real aggressive. We're going to get right underneath them. And I mean, when I say underneath them, if you go to my Instagram, I got a reel put up and I'm filming right over my shoulder like this with my phone. And the bird is literally right here on the roost gobbling. Okay. So our philosophy was he's going to pitch down right in front of me, hopefully in the same spot. And as soon as his feet touch the ground, I'm going to already be at full draw and I'm going to zip him. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, so it was some planning. Yes, but there was a lot of luck that had to go our way for that bird to do exactly what we needed him to do. And I was just right place, right time. And, you know, made a good shot at like, I think it was like 17 yards or 15 yards or something like that. Um, well, so, I mean, the hard, the hardest part of that hunt would have been like, how did you get that close without spooking any birds? Well, you gotta be a woods ninja. You, <laughs> you, you gotta be quiet and move in the shadows. We, we, uh, so there were, 
there were two little cedars on the edge of this field. And it's like a, it's a, it's a creek bottom fence row splitting two ag fields. And they were in this inside corner and they would come out and they'd pitch out of these big cottonwoods into the field, but they could go to the left field or the right field. So we had to pick, okay. We're like, all right, we got to go one way or the other. We've chose the right field. And our plan was to crawl in there, get close and then really sneak our way in. Now, mind you, this is early in the morning. I mean, we left at like, 3 30 in the morning i mean we're walking under the cover of darkness it's we sat there in the pitch black for half hour I mean, 45 minutes in in black oh yeah I mean, black like out black black like complete black um you know a while till it's even getting to be gray light but there were two little cedars and we're like okay we want to get in those cedars so we're going to have us the cedars and then the bird and the birds in a tree at like six yards away from us. But we, that was the only spot we could get to, to where. So, 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 so you had like the cedar between you and the bird in the tree. But when he came down, he flew on the other side of the cedar. So you had a clear shot. Yeah. So now he's in the field. This is yeah, exactly. Field. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. He's, so he's in a, he's in an ag field that's already all tilled up and worked up. Soon as his feet touch the ground it's game over like that's that's our plan right now if he goes any other way the the, the plan is no longer in play now we gotta we gotta try to call him in or figure something else out and he's been with hens and jakes and as soon as they've hit the ground they've been completely shut up because these these hens that they were with would constantly take them away immediately when they hit the ground and there was private not far so they were only in bounds for like maybe 50 60 yards i mean you know th there wasn't much wiggle room there they it was pretty much an all or nothing play um but like i said we had luck on our side bird hits the ground i zip him and you know hey sometimes you got to skin a cat a different way and that's just what we did i mean as far as calling um working the bird uh none of that i mean we never made a peep besides yeah. cr crunching yeah, some to get in there that was it yeah no no decoys no calls no no, 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 no show no b-roll just a dead turkey just a well i do have some footage i'm like i said I'm, I'm like this i'm i got my bow sitting and i'm i'm like this through the cedar and he's literally right there it's 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 pretty freaking cool because i mean it's so close like when he gobbles on the reel, it like startles you when you're looking at it on your phone because he's so close. He's probably seven, eight yards, you know. <laughs> well, you know what they say about death? It comes like a thief in the night oh, when does. nobody expects it. <laughs> oh. And you guys came like a couple of thieves in the night, baby, and you got yep. it done. So I would imagine <clears throat> when, you know, Ryan had already, you know, like he said, he had already shot one in the face with number nines or sixes or whatever he did and um so your bird you flop that one you guys have to be feeling like you know all things considered oh, with the thrilled. weather and the low bird numbers like you guys have just overcome great odds and you're like just happy as heck to be getting out of dodge and heading to nebraska at that point yeah yeah it was it was about two or three days later than expected. I mean, we were we rolled into camp thinking we'd have two to three days in Kansas and we were going to have, you know, the rest of the trip to spend in Nebraska. 
And um, that, it just what that didn't that was not the case. So I mean, Clint kept saying, "Let's just one of us get a bird, and I'll be happy." You know, you know, one for three. No, I kept telling him, "No, that is not good <laughs> enough for me. I want us both to punch all of our tags." And uh, we were feeling pretty good, you know, when we had half the tags punched, and uh, yeah. that only left us with a day though to get it done in Nebraska with with no scouting, just previous knowledge of being up there, you know, putting boots on the ground. They, they burn a lot of fields up there too, uh, yeah. which isn't normal for back here home. Like they, when they burn out there, I mean, they're burning acres and acres and acres uh, of ground. And, and these turkeys, they, they love that stuff. So they like to move in as soon as they, as soon as they burn that stuff. So, I mean, you just gotta be feet on the ground, tires on the road and get moving now you know, to find these birds. You talked about filling all your tags. That just reminded me, like, historically, you could kill two birds in Kansas, and I think maybe even three in Nebraska. They changed that now, right? So that one tag, you guys each killed a bird in Kansas. Is that it now in Kansas in the spring for non-residents, one bird apiece? In zone two, uh, I know you can go You can go out west further out and, and get into another zone, and I believe you can get a second tag in Kansas, but – it used to be in in our zone. It used to be two birds, and then you could still go out west and get another bird. Um, but it's that's not the case anymore because they've seen just like Ohio, they've seen a decline in the number of birds, and and so the uh, Kansas Division of Wildlife. I mean, they've been doing a lot of research and trying to up the numbers to uh, you know preserve those turkey numbers. So gotcha. So so you got your one bird. So you guys were tagged out basically in Kansas at that point. Yeah, so we're done in Kansas. You get over to Nebraska and you've got, you said, just one full day for hunting or what? Yeah, one full day. And then maybe depending on, we wanted to leave the, we, so if it, we had Monday to hunt and we were leaving Tuesday morning, if we roosted something and we needed to do, you know, be thieves in the night and be, and be in there Tuesday morning, it truck was packed and we were just going to hunt on the way out. So you get about an hour, hour and a half right off the roost. And, and then we're making, you know, we're beating feet for back to the Buckeye State. So, so, but, so what'd you guys run into over there then? Uh, you, went back to, you went back to an old honey hole like Kansas? Well, well we tried. We, we tried yeah, some of that. We, we had a list of. Like I said, I had a, another list of about 15 places up there in Nebraska, five of which I've hunted before. Um, you know, we tried a bunch of new ones. Uh, there were, the, I mean, there were a lot of hunters out this year uh, for the weather. I mean, the number of public ground hunters uh, have increased, you know, people doing the same thing that we're doing. So, I mean, that's great to see people out, you know, enjoying the outdoors, doing what we do. Um, but it does, it does add you know, a, a different uh, complication for everything. So we'd pull into a place, there'd be three trucks parked there. So we'd, we'd motor on down to the next one, you know, trying to find our, our little piece of heaven, you know, to enjoy by ourselves out there. And uh, wasn't the case. And we'd be walking around, jumping coyotes out of open grass fields. And, and uh, we spent a whole day just driving around and, and we didn't see a bird until probably, it was like six o'clock in the evening. He was out full strut out in a field. So, and, um, we, we spent all day working, working around, looking, looking, scouting, and we marked that spot. And then that's where 
you know, Clint was able to sneak into that next morning on our way out. And, um, and we were able to get it done there, but I mean, we spent 12, 13 hours of scouting, you know, not, we would hunt as well, but it was uh, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of miles were put on those, those new hunting boots. So yeah, Clint, I mean, what, what, uh, what did you do to get that bird? I mean, you had a, like Ryan said, a pretty short window of opportunity that morning to either going to get it killed or head, head, head east. Yeah, I mean, it was, it's it's a small piece and it's mostly ag fields. So we figured he was going to roost on like one side of the farm or uh, one side of the, of the piece of property. It's actually, it's a, it was a farm that they've got now in public hunting, but um, figured he'd roost on one side and probably worked across those fields and headed over into what would be the neighbors where there was more ag fields and more timber. So realistically, the whole plan was just cut this bird off in hopes that, you know, it was supposed to be super windy again, uh, surprise, major surprise. So we roosted him. We're like, all right, we'll get in there, see what happens right off the rip. No gobbles, super windy. So we're like, all right, well, you know, there's not a ton we can really do. We don't have like a ton of time. You know, it's almost at this point, like, gosh, what do you do? You know, well, we get lucky. We find a bird. I don't even know if it was the bird we roosted or not, but we find a bird that's out with a hen all by himself in this wide open egg field. And he's working towards this back corner. And I know from the maps and just Ryan and I looking at this, I'm like, Man, the way this hill rolls over, I can get on the backside and run this creek bottom to that corner. And if they're heading to this corner, I mean, just like I'd cut a mule deer or an elk or an antelope off, I'm like, I can cut this bird off and get back there and see what happens. I mean, he might cross at 50 yards. He might cross at 10. You know, I don't know. I'm just going to have to get in there. And again, we put the plan together. I told Ryan, I said, I'm just going to take off, man, and just beat feet over there and see what happens. And just got lucky, got in there maybe five minutes after I got set up, they topped up over the hill and I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, they're, they're on the backside now on my side, worked their way right to the corner. He never gobbled. The hen really didn't do much besides just fed the whole time. I mean, honestly, very boring as far as like the action goes because it's just two turkeys being turkeys out in the field no strutting no fanning you know just just two just two birds in the field they work their way down to that corner and i'm like man if they cross right here at this little fence crossing it's within 10 yards and sure as heck that's what they did and i zipped him as he walked by broadside you know and, and it was like seven yards eight yards something like that um you know but had a couple little cedars and some cottonwoods to hide in. I was all tucked in. I'm like, as soon as they work by me, I can come back to full draw. They clear this cedar and zip him. And that's exactly, I mean, like I said, it was, we actually figured it up. In eight days of hunting, we actually worked one bird. And by work, I mean like we're calling, he's gobbling, we're moving, he's moving, we're playing the game. One turkey we worked in eight days. So what I'm telling you, Berg, is you did not miss anything. And I actually made this statement a couple times on the trip to Ryan. I'm like, you know, 
who would absolutely hate to be on this turkey hunt right now? And Ryan's like, no, who? I'm like, the Bergster. Christian Berg would not be having a great time right now. No, with no there's no <laughs> doubt because, like, seriously, like. Not when, even turkey hunting. <laughs> no, no. First of all, first of all, turkey hunting should be minimum 65 if not 70 degrees Which I, I think you guys had warm weather right so at least you didn't have the cold like you did last year but and it should not be over 10 to 15 mile an hour winds preferably i, like I want like a 72 degree day with yep. light light and variable winds which is like terrible that. for deer hunting right but it's perfect for turkey hunting and yeah, and I want a bird that's going to play the game, right? And yeah. that exactly like, I mean, don't get me wrong. You guys, I tip my, I'm not wearing a cap, but Ryan, I see you're wearing a cap. Clint's wearing a cap. I tip my proverbial cap to the both of you for sticking with it, you know, fighting the good fight and, and it's succeeding against all odds. But to Clint's point, not that fun, not that exciting. <laughs> and even the birds that you managed to kill, it's like kind of anticlimactic. It's not like, right. you know, it's like <laughs> extremely. Thing, no, it's it's not like what was advertised in Peterson's bow hunting. You know yeah. what I mean? Like guys read Peterson's bow hunting and they want to see this big gobbler all fanned out and get really pissed off and come in and beat the snot out of your Jake decoy and spit and drum and march back and forth. And then you finally decide like, okay, I've seen enough. I'm going to draw my bow and shoot him now. But that's not often the way. That's, that not, that's not real life. That's <laughs> I was going to say. No, that's, that's not that's real life. That's not even real. Whoever's writing those articles for you, I don't know who it is, but that guy, it's not real. <laughs> well, it does happen on rare occasion, but yeah. What's, what's funny is, so we come back and Ryan and I both just killed Ohio birds in the last couple of days. We have not even really shot Ohio birds that we actually turkey hunted the real way that gobbled, I think so. I think in Ohio, Ryan has worked maybe I've worked two three, birds. three birds. Okay, three birds. I yeah. have worked one bird. So for a grand total of about 20 some days of turkey hunting between the two of us, like I've worked, I've hunted about 20 days, he's hunted about 20 days. Now some of those were together. Um we have worked a grand total between the two of us of five turkeys. And I, I just, you're making me feel terrible about the fact that I haven't gotten out this spring. Oh, I mean, I just can't out. believe I have missed out on some of the world's greatest, hottest turkey action this spring. You really have. <laughs> but it begs the question, because people have this question, you know, and honestly, I don't really know what to think about what I'm about to throw out. Part of me thinks it's nonsense, and part of me thinks maybe there's some truth to it, but you hear guys talking about it, you know, whether it's on Facebook or an online forum or something. Are turkeys not doing as much turkey stuff as they used to because of all the, the hunting pressure? Do you have or, or is it environmental changes? And do you have a theory about this, guys? I mean, I definitely think in our area and in Kansas and Nebraska, turkeys are figuring out 
the more talking they do, the more predators they're going to run into. Um, uh, you know, like in Kansas and Nebraska, we had four or five scenarios where as we're calling, like we're, we're trying to call to a bird. Now, mind you, we, we never really worked any birds besides one, but we're yelping or we're cutting. We're trying to fire a bird up blindly. We would call a coyote. In. And I mean, these coyotes were coming in to kill. They weren't just, oh, da, 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 what's going on? No, they were sneaking in. And I mean, they, they were coming in hot with their ears pinned back, wanting to kill a bird. So I definitely think the predation combined with hunting pressure, and let's be honest, we love to call turkeys and call two turkeys because it's fun when you get them fired up and they gobble and you gobble, but most people call too much. That's just brutal reality. It's like that in elk hunting too. Everybody wants to get a big bull to bugle, but let's be honest, we overuse cow calls, we over bugle. Same thing in the turkey woods. I do think we're educating birds more and more and more every year, but I also think the predation is playing a huge factor because if every time you gobble every other time, you got a predator coming in after you, are you still going to want to gobble as much every time you're all horned up? I mean, I'm probably not going to want to gobble because of that. I'm probably going to want to just be quiet and go about my business. I mean, and they have to have sort of picked up on that because well, the I, yeah, I think it's both that, and I think it's just some natural selection. And here's what I mean: yep. I'll draw yep. a, draw a parallel to the whitetail world, yep. and this is something that Bill Winky has written about a number of times over the years. And if you live in a state like Ohio or Pennsylvania, where we live, where there's quite a bit of deer hunting pressure, it makes perfect sense. You know, it often when we talk about mature bucks. Right. And we say, oh, you know, this four and a half, five and a half year old older deer, they're nocturnal. They're almost impossible to kill. You know, they're really hard to see them on their feet. And is that because, you know, older deer are naturally more nocturnal or is it because, uh, guess what? If you're a pretty good looking two and a half or three and a half year old buck and you just have a personality that likes to move around during the day your odds of making it through a season in Pennsylvania are pretty low. So I don't know that it's actually we're changing deer behavior. It's just that most of the deer with good headgear that like to move during the day just don't live very long in Pennsylvania. And so if a deer with good antlers wants to live long, he probably is going to be a deer that either by learning or by, you know, by either by nature or by nurture is going to move more at night than it does during the day. And it could be the same thing with these turkeys where, you know, they say like the two and a half, the two-year-old birds are more vocal. A lot of those two-year-olds are getting killed every year, probably by coyotes or human hunters. And the ones that are left are either older birds that are more, you know, shy because of what they've learned, or they're just not, they're just not the birds that came out of the egg being as vocal, you know, because let's face it, I'm sure, you know, we don't understand it near as much as reality. You know, we like to simplify animals and think that they all fit into a little box, but I'm sure that there are some turkeys that just like to gobble more than others. And the ones who like to gobble, to your point, they probably already got eaten by a coyote. And so the ones that are left are what you would say are like the wuss turkeys, right? The ones who don't want to come charging in to fight. They don't want to answer every call, but they're survivors. Well, I wish those turkeys you're talking about that want to gobble all the time and play the game. I wish they would come 
play the game with me more often because this year I've played with about two of those in about 20 some days of hunting. So my, uh, my, my ratio of um, actual turkey encounters that are fun versus turkey encounters that are not fun, uh, it's a pretty skewed number there. It's about two to 20 for the, for the bad, not for the good. Well, you're really selling this turkey hunting to everybody. I mean, you're recruiting. I'm just trying to be brutally I mean, look, at, look at Christian Berg, and he's like that mature buck. And you look at Clint and I, we're like them young bucks. And if we want to get like him, we got to be wise. You know, sure. we're not seasoned Very like true. Christian. I'm not that's saying right. he's old. I'm saying he's seasoned and he's wise. wise. And that's what you and that's what you got to realize. You know, these birds, you you have them young and dumb ones like Clint and I. And then yep. you have them Christian Berg birds that are wise, you know, and they know when to talk and when not to. You know, if a stranger, if that stranger in the bush keeps talking to me over there saying, hey, there's there's turkeys and strut over here. Come over here. I can only fall for that so many times before I learn that I'm going to get in trouble every time I go over there. Hey, Ryan, Ryan, I got some candy in my van over here. Ryan. I know. Yeah, it's like the, it's like the little balloon sitting in the storm drain. Like there's turkeys gobbling down here, and I'm gonna run over there every time. But, it's a it's a clown in the sewer. I got gobbling yep. turkeys down here, baby. For Ryan and but, I, it's like it's if for Ryan and I, you know, we're two year old birds. You could lure us in with a natural light or a bush light, but Christian, being the seasoned veteran, you've got to have a nice bourbon or something. And, and and even that might not get him to come in. But us, ah, hey, here's some bush lights over here. We're, we're going to come running. I'll tell you what, though. You 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 put a Ford Maverick out in the middle of that field. Ooh, and you know I'm going to die. I'm going to be running up there. That's Why my kryptonite right there. Why is Ford Maverick? <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, why don't, I mean, why don't. Back onto the mature and the wisdom thing, you know, how much work and homework do people put in to, to, you know, harvest a mature buck? They put in hours and hours of countless scouting and recon. How many hours do people put in for turkeys? You know, you know, we just expect most guys. Yeah, I mean, most guys are like me. We don't want to work that hard. Like, like it's good if it works the way it's supposed to, but if it doesn't work, the way that we think it's supposed to, we'll just go home. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, and that's, I mean, there's a difference there. And a lot of people get frustrated, which Clint and I are, are prime examples. It's frustrating, but you oh, just yeah. got to put that time in. It doesn't matter what you want to do, whether it's mature deer, turkey, elk, mule deer. You know, if there's a woman that you aspire to the court, you got to put time and persistence into it. And you got to be uh, one thing I know religiously is both- faithful. Both of you boys are pretty religious about courting women. So if you're putting in, you know, yeah. the same kind of effort that I know you do there at Spanky's, yeah. um, right. you know, out in the field, then you're going to have pretty good result. And yep. speaking speaking of good result, Clint, why don't we wrap up with this? Because you teased it earlier. You guys have obviously been back home in Ohio. I think, Ryan, you're still hunting. But Clint, you punched a tag just uh last week well ryan punched a tag the the day before so oh. ryan shot, yeah ryan killed a bird and then i killed the next day so we we both we're tagged out in ohio we're done both of us are oh okay well so good good and again you know ryan i, I don't want to like 
make light of your incredible success, but I think that was again with a a weapon that shall not be really discussed at length here on this podcast. I'm sure that there's yeah, that's yep a time and a that's place. A, it's probably <laughs> you know yeah. it's kind of a shame because that's probably a better story than Clint's turkey. But I gotta let I gotta let Clint. Well, I mean, is it really Clint? Is it a good story? I mean. Ryan's bird actually was a bird that we like had a plan for and worked and and called to some and and I mean if I'm being honest I, I had another scenario of I figured out this bird whooped my rear end for three days in a row and I realized the exact oak that this bird was roosting in and I knew from previous encounters he will pitch down and be in this vicinity I need to be there well before daylight I got in there he pitched down, a hen took him away, and then ended up bringing him back over about an hour later. I never made a call, never made a peep. I just let the morning play out. If I'm being honest with you, it was another quote-unquote boring turkey hunt in the essence of how I want to kill them, but highly effective that I just got into a good turkey area. And as he was working back and forth on his little strut zone, trying to court that hen, I zipped one through him at like eight yards or nine yards. And it would, you know, so yeah, again, it, it was, a. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a blessed morning and, and a great day to punch a tag and, and be able to kill him, you know, a big Tom. And, you know, I got turkey breast waiting on me to eat now and all that. But as far as turkey action, oh, it was a two on a 10 scale. I mean, it, they gobbled on the roost a little bit. They flew down, they did their thing. Yeah. I got spit and I mean, dropped a little bit before I shot him and and that was that was it I honestly never made a call but I mean I don't think we want to downplay this too much because you know I mean yeah we like to joke around about it and everything but in all seriousness it's a blessing like you said I mean you're out there you're filling tags you have I mean you have some beautiful birds on the ground this spring it's nothing that you want to make light of because you're out there killing turkeys and there's an awful lot of guys you know, who would love to be in your shoes. So, you know, we don't want to disrespect the game either, you know, in terms of the game as in the animals or the, or the game in terms of the skill, because it is skill, time and effort. It's finding alternative ways to, you know, to borrow the phrase from, from survivor, right. It's outwit, outlast, outplay, you know what I mean? And yeah, it's just a last one standing. It's just a, it's a different way to hunt turkeys. And I mean, I'm glad that Ryan and I have those tools in our toolbox when we need them. Um, it's not the way we want to kill them because it's not the most exciting way to do it. But sometimes what's the most exciting isn't always the most effective. And, and you know, if you can kind of be like Gumby and be flexible in your hunting mannerisms and, and with your tactics and your plans and, you know, you don't want to be a one trick pony out there or, you're going to be in trouble. Like if you're a guy that only can kill birds over decoys or only can kill birds with calling and can't actually, you know, beat them to their roost spot or, or beat them off the roost. Or, you know, like if, if, if you're just a one trick pony, it's, it's really tough to kill a lot of turkeys because typically it's not always going to be just one tactic always works. If it was that way, I would pick they call, I call, they gobble, I call, you know, I make a move, they make a move, and then you get to kill the bird. Like, that's fun, classic turkey hunting action, but that's not reality 
more times than not, that's typically, it doesn't go picture perfect like that. So, you know, you got to get creative sometimes. And sometimes being creative is actually hunting them in quote unquote, a boring way, which is sitting and being patient and almost hunting them like a deer, which isn't, you know, how we want to hunt turkeys, I guess you could say. But, oh, no. And it, but I mean, yeah, it's the same I way with deer. Yep. If I think about, like, I'm looking around at, at all of my biggest whitetails, and I'm like, honestly, like, like, you can't see this one, but this this 180 velvet buck from Kentucky shot him on a clover plot. He was doing nothing, right? I'm thinking about, like, that buck from Iowa. That was just on a feeding pattern. He was on the edge of a cut grain field just doing the bed to feed pattern really there's one deer from illinois that i kind of rattled in but other than that all the other deer the biggest ones most of the deer that you do rattle in are two and a half year old bucks that you end up not wanting to shoot you know what i mean so yeah you got a clinton gotta... ryan bucks clinton ryan oh. bucks, that's right oh please. You, want the, you want that christian berg buck you know that wise oh christian old buck Christian Berg, Christian Berg tr- shoots a lot of bucks he shouldn't shoot too. <laughs> yeah, but well, I tell you what, boys, it's uh, you know you can't you cannot sneeze at that season that you guys had, and nope, um, we were very blessed to fill tags that we filled. It was a tough year. People probably always want to know Clint Gear. I mean, I know you're shooting the Matthews. I don't think that arrow selection is probably super critical for turkeys, but what do you like to shoot, you know, broadhead wise and any shooting tips or things? I know you do a lot of that sort of bow hunting with no blind and everything. Just, just what kind of broadhead do you like and what's your tips for getting drawn on these birds? Yeah, I like the severs. I run the 2.0s for turkeys. Um, I run that for whitetails typically too. Um, You know, I like a big cutting diameter. Um, I like an expandable, you know, with turkeys, I think arguably they're, they're the toughest, maybe the toughest animal to kill. And there's probably more wounded turkeys than maybe anything, which I hate to say, but like when it comes to bow hunting, you know, you're shooting at a softball basically. And if you don't hit the softball, you don't get the bird. That's just, that's just how it works. I mean, it's, it is a very, very small target. So I'm usually, uh, I want to shoot birds from 20 and in, um, so, you know, there's been times I've shot a little further than that, but let's say 30 and in at the absolute max. Now you can decap them and use, you know, like a big four inch Magnus bullhead or, uh, you know, flu flu arrows and, and, and get them in within 10 yards and shoot them with those. Um, kind of limits your distance definitely in half, but there's, you know, it's very effective. You either hit the Turkey and it dies or you don't. So it's, it's, you know, that's very effective. You're either going to hit it in the head and neck and it's going to be killed or it's not, you know, but, uh, to shoot them in the body, you know, blinds are highly effective in decoys. I just don't like doing it because number one, I don't like carrying all this stuff around. I like to run and gun with my bow because it's fun. It makes me feel like I'm elk hunting. And Secondly, I just don't like to hunt them like whitetails. And I feel like the blind and the decoy thing, I'm just sitting there basically hunting them like a deer. And I do enough tree stand sitting throughout the course of the year. Like God only knows that the hours I spend in trees waiting on a big buck to walk by. So 
that's the only reason why I like to do the run and gun method. But the biggest thing there is to have a plan of, okay, I'm here. The bird's over here. I'm calling. He's going to potentially work by me. Now at this point, I'm going to be on the ready. He's going to go past this cedar or past this briar bush. Now I can draw and I can shoot him over here. You know, like I've always got a plan in my head of where he's at, the direction he's coming. And then where can he get behind something that I can get drawn? Or if he goes into full strut, that fan is your best friend. As he's pirouetting and spinning around, I've gotten drawn on a lot of birds because that fan, they can't see through it. So that's another great tip, you know, to draw on them when they're, you know, in full strut. Um, but I would just say the biggest thing is you got to slow the process down when you get a bird within that 15, 20, 25 yards. Like every move you make is just super critical and trying to always think ahead of, okay, he's here. He's going to end up here. I can draw here. I've just, my mind's always got a plan going and you don't have a lot of time to react. You know, a lot of stuff happens quick. So you you just you got to be able to be like okay once he gets to that bush i've got to draw okay he's at the bush now i'm going to draw uh a good tip would be lower your poundage on your bow so you can draw in really weird awkward positions like if you can't sit on your butt with your legs out and draw your bow without having to sky it and do all this extra movement if you can't just lift it up and draw it sitting on your butt you're honestly drawing way too much weight for turkeys. You don't need 70 pounds. You don't need 60 pounds. What you need to be able to do is be in an awkward position and slowly, calmly draw that bow back with the most minimal amount of movement. That's what you need to kill turkeys. And I see a lot of guys pulling way too much weight and on their knees or on their butt or in a weird position, they've got to do this extra movement and sky their bow and really struggle and shake. And that's just, it's so hard to beat their eyes to begin with. And then you throw in all that extra movement. It just, your chances of actually getting to full draw and them not knowing it's slim to none. So that would be probably my best tip is, you know, check your ego at the door. You don't need a 70 pound draw weight bow to go kill turkeys. I mean, drop that thing down and be able to pull it back smooth as butter from any position. And that'll definitely get you more opportunities. That's for sure. And I learned that the hard way years ago. Um, trying to sit on my butt and pull back a 72 pound maxed out bow that, you know, I blew a couple birds up that busted me. And I'm like, man, this is just, there's just no reason for me to do this. So I drop it down to like, say 65, no big deal. And then right after turkey season, I'd crank it back up and, you know, shoot all summer with it and be, be good to go. But yeah, I, I, I typically drop my bows down in turkey season for that exact reason. Well, some good advice there, Clint. It's a great way to end it. Again, I just tip my caps to you guys. I look forward to getting out there this fall and spending some time with the both of you. Uh, Ryan, you are uh, you're sort of the unsung hero of the whole operation out there. You know, uh, honestly, Ryan is a is a heck of a guy. Super helpful. He's like Johnny on the spot. I mean, Ryan will like hang stands and, and, you know, run uh, trail cameras and, and then check stuff out for me. I can't thank you enough, buddy. And Clint, I always appreciate your contributions to the magazine. And uh, like I said, this fall, I've purposely, you know, lightened my schedule because of old Timmy and wanting to nice. enjoy 
enjoy his senior year and, and you guys being right next door across the border. I'm looking forward to putting in more time than I have in the past. So uh, tell tell your boys, Clint, that they're going to have to share the lease this fall. Well, you know, they'll be excited to have you out there. And, you know, little old Kiki bird, he'll be excited to get on some blood trails. He's a He's pretty much the blood tracking extraordinaire. I don't know anybody east of the Mississippi that can blood trail better than that kid. So he'll be ready. Well, I, I'll be ready to give him another tracking job. And uh, if we can do half as good as we did on the last one, we'll be in really good shape. Uh, Got it. Gentlemen, enjoy your weeks. Um, again, I appreciate your time and I wish you, wish you the best with everything you got going on. All right. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, buddy. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.